Thank you, Al and Harley and, and uh, worship leaders this morning as we focus upon the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. We know there is only one mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus. And I trust that he's your advocate this morning. Yeah, when we take our last breath and stand before a holy God, we better have an advocate. We can't stand there in our own uh, righteousness, with like, which is like filthy rags. And so great to sing some of these great old hymns and, and, of course, some of the contemporary songs as well, Exalt Our Great God. And, and I would ask you to turn to a psalm, the book of Psalms this morning. Psalm 113 is where we're going to spend our time. Psalm 113. It's a great psalm of, of praise. And uh, we, we need to admit, uh, certainly I do, that it's, it's a lifelong lesson for us to, to learn to praise our God every day, all day long. You know, we get so distracted. I certainly confess it, so distracted. And I'm so glad for God's grace that it's greater than our sin and greater than our distractions and our frailties. And at times I will be spending earnest time in prayer and and I feel like I'm really connecting and the Lord hears me and I'm adoring Him. And and then a minute or two later, my mind is somewhere else and I go, what happened here? And then I, I used to feel really guilty about that for years. And then I read in the Psalms, it says, for he himself knows our frame. He's mindful that we are but dust. And, you know, so when this happens to me, and it does quite often, instead of just feeling guilty, I just praise God that he understands that he's a God of grace and mercy. I'm not coming to him by my own merits, but, but covered with the, by, the, by, the, by the blood of Christ. And so as you look at, it turned to, again, Psalm 113, as I read it this morning, I use the New American Standard, and your translation ought to be pretty similar here. Psalm 113, it says, Praise the Lord. Praise, O servants of the Lord. Praise the name of the Lord. Blessed be the name of the Lord from this time forth and forever. From the rising of the sun to its setting, the name of the Lord is to be praised. The Lord is high above all nations. His glory is above the heavens. Who is like the Lord our God, who is enthroned on high, who humbles himself to behold the things that are in heaven and in the earth? He raises the poor from the dust, and he lifts the needy from the ash heap to make them sit with princes, with the princes of his people, and he makes the barren woman abide in the house as a joyful mother of children. Praise the Lord. What a great what a great vehicle for us to lift our voice and our thoughts to the Lord. And let's do that. Let's pause and pray for a moment this morning. We come to you, our eternal God and gracious Heavenly Father, and we are again, one more time, amazed at your grace that is certainly greater than our sin. And we are amazed that there's a whole new batch of mercies for us every morning. We believe that because you told that to us. And when you said that, you reminded us that great is your faithfulness. And so we come this morning to worship you. We're well aware that you work all things after the counsel of your will. And you even work all things together for good to those who love you and are called according to your purpose. We know that purpose is to conform us to the image of your Son, our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. And so have your way today 
Give us minds that listen and respond and wills that are malleable in your hands. We're grateful again for your patience with us, for your grace, for your Holy Spirit who illumines your word for us to understand in a way that will bring honor to you for your glory, certainly for our good. And we come because of Jesus. Amen. Your bulletin, in your bulletin is an outline there, and, and the priority of praise to our great God is what I've entitled this, but I'll read that opening paragraph there where it says, Since 1680, the church has been singing Joachim Neander's words, Praise to the Lord, the Almighty, the King of creation. With the increasing secularization of our culture and the mania of global warming, the focus seems to be moving more toward the creation than the Creator. The Apostle Paul lamented this when he wrote to the church at Rome, for they exchanged the truth of God for a lie and worshipped and served the creature rather than the creator who is blessed forever. Amen. That last line there, in being good stewards of what God has created, we must determine to focus on him rather than on his creation. Now, certainly the heavens declare his glory, and we need to be amazed at his creative power and worship him for his creative power. But we worship him, not what he's created. And I believe things have gotten turned upside down here since man fell into sin and continues to walk as fallen people. God created us to praise him. The Christian life is not complete until we sound his praise. Day by day. And if we weren't fallen creatures, we wouldn't have to be commanded to praise our great God, our creator and redeemer. Some of you remember a great old preacher in Philadelphia 50, 60 years ago. His name was Donald Gray Barnhouse. And it was Barnhouse who said, How strange that the Lord must plead with whom he saves from the pit to show gratitude to him. I'll read it again. How strange that the Lord must plead with whom he saves from the pit to show gratitude to him. End quote from Barnhouse. Well, you know, it's not only strange, it's really sad, isn't it? It's sad that he must plead with us. And again, one more time, aren't you glad for his grace? Aren't you glad for his patience? We all fall short day by day. Yet we walk in a sphere of grace, those of us who are redeemed and born again. But the book of Psalms is a great remedial book to rekindle a cold and preoccupied heart, to praise God once again. I remember sitting in the kitchen of a, of a widow maybe 15 years ago, and I noticed on the wall she had crocheted a little motto, and I remembered it, read it at that time, and I remembered it down through the years, and that motto said, Hem your blessings with praise, lest they unravel. Kind of cute, but a good thought, isn't it? Hem your blessings with praise, lest they unravel. We are created to praise God, and we are commanded to praise him as well. It is an obligation, not just an option. That's point one on your outline, the obligation to praise God. The Lord. Let me read the first three verses again. Psalm 113. Praise the Lord. Praise, O servants of the Lord. Praise the name of the Lord. Blessed be the name of the Lord from this time forth and forever. From the rising of the sun to its setting, the name of the Lord is to be 
praised. Praise of our great God is an obligation, not an option. Praise is essential to spiritual health and life. It's not just an elective for God's people. Praise is due, the incomparable name of Yahweh, the Lord our God. It is a binding obligation of gratitude. Praising our great God is our privilege, but you know what? It also should be our priority. It's a great privilege as fallen creatures to praise the one who created us and sent his son to redeem us. And it should also be a priority. Five times in this psalm is the command to praise the Lord. Four times in the first three verses. And then you notice it begins with praise the Lord and it ends in verse 9 with praise the Lord. And if we know how great and gracious the Lord our God is, we know that it is both a duty and a delight to praise his name. Some of us are old enough to remember Paul Harvey. I remember listening to Paul Harvey before I even went to school. I started school in a country school in 1950. And I can remember the news at noon that my twin brother and I would sit and listen to my dad said he was hard of hearing, but he sure could hear us horsing around because more than once we got the yardstick on our heads because we were listening to the news at noon, with, especially with Paul Harvey. Well, some of you remember Paul Harvey used to quote bumper stickers, but he called them bumper snickers, bumper snickers. And uh, I, saw, I saw one here, you probably have seen it too, where it said, honk if you love Jesus, text message while you're driving, if you want to see him right now. <laughs> and of course, now in the state of Washington, you get a ticket for texting while you're driving. And I saw another one that said, honk if you love peace and quiet. Now see, some of us think that's funny. It's, 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 it's an oxymoron, as you know. Honk if you love peace and quiet. But speaking of oxymorons, here's another, here's another oxymoron. Another oxymoron is a praiseless Christian. Not a bumper sticker, but it's an oxymoron, a praiseless Christian. This psalm instructs us that there should be no praiseless Christians. God desires our praise, and he deserves our praise as well. So we might ask, what is praise? Again, it starts off with praise the Lord and ends with praise the Lord, uh, that's that in the Hebrew, that's halal yah. That's where we get hallelujah from. Anytime you say hallelujah, you're speaking Hebrew. Halal means praise, and yah is the first part of the, of the word of the name Yahweh. Halal yah, praise God. And in the Hebrew language, this word for praise, halal, means excited boasting. So what is praise in the Hebrew language especially? It's excited boasting. Psalm 113 here is one of 11 Hallel psalms. And these psalms were sung at Passover by the Hebrew people. Psalm 113 and 114 were sung before the Passover meal. 115 to 118 were sung after the Passover meal. So we can conclude that Jesus sang this psalm before his, the Last Supper. Jesus, God the Son, our Savior. How amazing. 
that he sang this psalm. In Matthew 26, it says, And after singing a hymn, they went out to the Mount of Olives the very night that he was betrayed. Mark chapter 14, you find that there as well. So when they went out to the Mount of Olives, singing this hymn, it was probably Psalm 118, the last part of this Hallel series. So Jesus sang the Hallel songs, the, the Hallel psalms, the praise psalms, the night, the very night that he was betrayed. So I would ask us today, are we praising God as we face difficult troubles and trials? Are we praising God as we anticipate things happening that are not going to be pleasant? Jesus did. And if Jesus did it, we can too as believers because Paul writes to the Colossians, it's that it's Christ in you, the hope of glory. Christ in us, not only our example, but the one who empowers us to live in a sphere of praise to our great God. So what is praise? In the Hebrew language, it's excited boasting. Who is to be praised? Well, look at it. Verse 1 again, praise the Lord. Praise, O servants of the Lord. So the one who is to be praised is the Lord. And that's the name again, Yahweh. Yahweh is a name God gave himself regarding his covenant relationship with his people. Yahweh refers again to his loyal love in a loving covenant relationship. So we can conclude that biblically praise is not about us. We aren't too excitedly boast about our possessions or about our position in life. We are not too excitedly boast about our ambitions and about our accomplishments and about uh, our accumulations. No, we're to excitedly boast about the Lord God Almighty, maker of heaven and earth. He turned the page and Psalm 115.1 says, Not to us, O Lord, not to us. But to thy name give glory because of thy loving kindness, because of thy truth. And in 2 Corinthians 10, Paul will write, But he who boasts, let him boast in the Lord. For not he who commends himself is approved, but whom the Lord commends. So if we boast about ourselves, some would call us egotists, maybe. If we boast about our kids and grandchildren, uh, children and grandchildren, some would call us boring. <laughs> but, but, but who can fault the person who boasts excitedly about the Lord God, the creator of all, the ruler of all, who has mercy on sinners, especially, especially repentant sinners. This hymn that I referred to earlier by Neander it says, praise to the Lord, O let all that is in me adore him. All that has life and breath, come now with praises before him. What a great anthem the church has sung for over 400 years. And I remember, again, maybe 30, 40 years ago, there was a, an ad campaign by the American Lung Association addressing the, the dangers and the problems of, of tobacco, of smoking. And, and one of the catchphrases I remember was that it's a matter of life and breath. Now, implied there, of course, is, is smoking in the lungs, of course, 
it's a matter of life and death. But this catchphrase was that, that it's a matter, if you quit smoking, it's a matter of life and breath. And it was Neander who said, all that has life and breath, come now with praises before him. All that has life, are we alive in Christ today? Praise is a matter of life. If we have new life in Christ, we are to praise him. We are to be praising him all of our days. And it's a matter of breath. Let the redeemed of the Lord, what? Say so. Yeah, Psalm 107, yeah. And if we don't praise God, Jesus said, the stones will outdo us. Do you remember the triumphal entry in Luke chapter 19 as Jesus came in that last Sunday into Jerusalem? And the religious leaders told Jesus to tell those who were praising God for the miracles they had seen. They were praising him. And and the religious leaders told Jesus to tell them to shut up. And it's Jesus who said that if they don't cry out, the stones will. And then the next verse in Luke 40, Luke 19 there, it says, after he said that, then he, it said he looked over the city of Jerusalem and he wept. And he wept. What a Savior we have. How merciful he is that he would take our place. He would pay the, the price, the penalty that we owed but could not pay. Is he not worthy of our praise day by day, all day long? Well, praise is due the incomparable name of Yahweh, the Lord our God. It is a binding obligation of gratitude. It's a matter of life and breath. So what is praise? It's, it's excited boasting. Who is to be praised? Yahweh, the God in covenant relationship with his people. Who is to praise? Well, look at verse 1 again. Praise the Lord. Praise, O servants of the Lord. Maybe better rendered, slaves of the Lord. And I wonder how many of us today are comfortable calling ourselves servants or slaves. Or maybe I should ask it a different way. I wonder how many of us are uncomfortable calling ourselves or want to be known as a servant. In the early 1960s, I was in high school, graduated in 1963, but... I remember taking a Cooter preference test. I don't know if they took that out here. They did that for the Swedes, the Swedes and the Norwegians back in Minnesota. Anyway, so it was called the, the Cooter preference test. It was just a battery of questions that we answered, and the, the answers would give us some idea what our aptitudes were, what our interests were regarding a career, what we might do in life. And, and as I've reflected upon that, I, I don't... I don't recall that servant was one of the categories that people wanted to be. So I want to be a slave, you know. I don't think so. But if we truly understood who our merciful and mighty God is, we would have no trouble seeing ourselves primarily in life as a servant of the Most High God. And we must remind ourselves that we've been bought with a price. We've been bought out of the marketplace of sin by the Lord Jesus Christ. The scripture says this, so that we are not our own. We belong to the Lord Jesus. We've been bought with his precious blood. And so we are his servants. We are his slaves. We belong to him. And we are to see ourselves as servants, as slaves of the most high God. And again, we need to remember that the book of Psalms was the Hebrew hymn book. 
These were sung by the Hebrew people, the Psalms were. And with music in mind, the Christian life is to be a full chord. And I wonder if too often the missing note in our harmonies is the note of praise to our great God. And perhaps the main reason the note of praise is missing is because we don't see ourselves as servants and God as our master, our great and gracious master. But you notice Psalm 113, verse 1, Praise the Lord, praise, O servants of the Lord. And believe it or not, I understand that even in that culture in that day, there was a pecking order in slavedom. There was a pecking order within households and between households. And, uh, and so it's, it's possible that because of the wealth of the owner, the influence and so on, that you would hear these kinds of things. You know, my master is wealthier than your master. My master can beat up your master, that, those kinds of comments. And, and here probably the psalmist is applying cultural logic to one's relationship with God. That is, there can be no greater position in this world than to be a servant, than to be a slave of Yahweh. And there could be no grander master than he. Look at verse 4. The Lord is high above all nations. His glory is above the heavens. Who is like the Lord our God who is enthroned on high? And of course the answer is no one. No one is like he is. He is incomparable. And to be a slave of the living God is the highest title to which a believer could aspire. And kings would do well to hope to be a slave of Yahweh, the Lord God Almighty, the Lord God in loving covenant relationship. Some of us again remember a missionary state, statesman named C.T. Studd, Charles Thomas Studd. He died in 1931, so he, he was not that ancient. But he grew up in London as a very privileged Young man, he was a cricket star. Cricket is a sport over there, I guess, and so he was well-known. And then the Lord Jesus got a hold of him. He repented from his sin and became a believer. And after serving in China and India and Africa for many years, it was Stud who said, If Jesus Christ is God and he died for me, there is no sacrifice too great for me to give him. If he called me to preach the gospel, I wouldn't stoop to be a king. That was Stud who said that. And I trust we would agree today, what a privilege to be a servant of the Most High God. What a privilege to be called a servant or a slave of the Most High God. So what is praise? It is excited boasting. Who is to be praised? Yahweh, the Lord God. Who is to praise? Well, servants of the Lord. And then, when is praise to be given to God? Well, verse 2, Psalm 113, verse 2, Blessed be the name of the Lord from this time forth and forever. So praise to God is due today, every day, all the days of our lives. We are to praise him with our hearts and we are to praise him from our hearts and we are to praise him with all of our hearts and we're to praise him with our lips. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. All that has life and breath, come now with praises before him. And then last, lastly, we ask, where is the Lord to be praised? Well, we look at verse 3 again. From the rising of the sun to its setting, the name of the Lord 
is to be praised. Now, this seems to be kind of a when question, but I believe it's a where question. From the east to the west, from the rising of the sun to its setting. Wherever the sun is doing its duty, we as the Lord's servants are to be doing our duty as well. We are to make praise of our great God a duty and a delight and a priority. Neander wrote, All ye who hear, now to his temple draw near, join me in glad adoration. Praise is due the incomparable name of Yahweh, the Lord our God, from this time forth and forever, wherever we happened to be. We are to praise our great God, whether we feel like it or not. You know, whether, whether our circumstances are delightful or dire, whether they're painful or pleasant, whether our mood is sunny or sad, we ought to hem in our blessings with praise, lest they unravel. So I ask today, have we formed the holy habit of praising the Lord our God from the rising of the sun to its setting? Do we desire to please him by praising him for his greatness and for his grace? It is our obligation to praise him. He is the creator, we are the creature. It's our obligation Point two on your outline says the explanation of his praise. <laughs> the explanation is very simple. We are to praise him because he is worthy of our praise. He is incomparable. There is no one like him. Look at verse 4 again. The Lord is high above all nations. The glory, his glory is above the heavens. Who is like the Lord our God who is enthroned on high? The Lord is high above all nations. His glory is above the heavens. He is enthroned on high. And yet, verse 6 will say, Yet he humbles himself to behold things that are in heaven and earth. Look at verse 6. Who humbles himself to behold the things that are in heaven and in the earth. The highly exalted one stoops to see the heavens. That's how great and immense he is. He's got to stoop to see the heavens. And then he stoops further and lower to meet the needs of planet earth people. And this stooping of majesty is the gospel. It's the euangelion. It's the good news. Second Corinthians 8, Paul writes, For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet became poor, that you through his poverty might become rich. Though he was rich, he became poor. He stooped, did he not? And then Paul writes as well, he who knew no sin became sin, became the sin sacrifice that we might become the righteousness of God in Christ. And then Mark will write that he came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. He stooped to become one of us, to give his life a ransom for many. That's the gospel. And there again in, in Psalm 113, verse 6, it says that he humbles himself to behold the things that are in heaven and on earth. And as he, as he beholds, he, he beholds three familiar elements in ancient Israel. Poverty, barrenness, and joylessness. And that's the illustrations of praiseworthiness, point three. As we finish up here in verse seven. He raises the poor from the dust. 
He lifts the needy from the ash heap to make them sit with princes, with the princes of his people. He makes the barren woman abide in the house as a joyful mother of children. Praise the Lord. And we might ask ourselves again, when it was that he raised up and lifted up and cleaned up and dressed up and brought to a banquet, when was that? Well, I believe that he does this whenever he saves a wretched sinner from the stench and from the bondage and from the penalty of sin. He does this whenever he lifts up a repentant sinner from the miry clay and sets his feet upon a rock, as Psalm 40 will say. And so I would ask again, have you repented from your sin, my friend, this morning? Has God rescued you from the penalty of sin? Do you you believe in the Lord Jesus Christ? Do you belong to him? He came unto his own, his own did not receive him, but as many as received him, embraced him by faith, those he gave the authority to become children of God, even to those who believe on his name. You know, it took me 24 years to have ears to hear that message. I'd heard it before, but I didn't hear it. And of all places to hear it, up on the campus here at Western, as a weird, strange, hippie freak uh, uh, serious about my studies, but nothing else. And, and I was far, it was not seeking God, no, as Scripture already, already says, you know, no one seeks, no, uh, no, not one. I certainly wasn't. But God got a hold of me. Somebody shared the gospel. He gave me ears to hear. And again, I had this sense that, well, I know I'm not what I ought to be, but I'll, when I'm 65, I'll go back to church and I'll start erasing the bad things I've done and I'll, you know, I'll get it together, you know. Well, I'm 71 now, so, so who, who would have thought that I would have to be 65? What presumption that was. But that's typical. That's a typical, uh, unbeliever, isn't it? That somehow, I know God is holy, I know I'm not, but I'll be able to, uh, He'll take a liking to me in the end. This whole works, works justification. Wow. But we need to be clothed with the righteousness of Christ. Only when we stand before the holy God one day, it's the righteousness of God that will allow us to enter. Righteousness of the Lord Jesus Christ and what he did on the cross for us. Even Isaiah made reference to this. I will rejoice greatly in the Lord. My soul will exalt in my God. For he has clothed me with garments of salvation. He has wrapped me with the robe of righteousness as a bridegroom decks himself with a garland as a bride adorns herself with her jewels. How amazing that is to know that we we are robed in the righteousness of Christ by faith. And if this is true for us today, what a privilege to praise our great and gracious God. And what a priority it ought to be to praise him every day, all day long, all the days of our lives. Well, it was five years ago this month that I began to be the interim pastor here. What a great delight that was for Linda and me, and it's great to be in, in your midst even today. And, and I, this is one of the first psalms that I preached. So I've preached this psalm before, not this exactly the same message, but, but, it's, been, but it's the same psalm. And if you remember that, good for you. What a great memory. And if you remember that, good for me. Somebody remembered something that I said even five years ago. How amazing is that? Well, I love this psalm, and I need to rehearse it over and over and over and over. Yes, 
So we're going to, I've quoted Neander over and over, and, and Michelle put the words in the bulletin opposite my sermon notes. We didn't ask her to do that. She was so prescient, they look that one up, Google that, prescient, that she went ahead and put this here. <laughs> and so Alan and the team will come on up and let's, uh, I think we're going to sing this acapulco, are we? Acapella, I mean, uh, yeah, acapella. <laughs> okay. Okay, okay, stand together, would you? Stand together, did you find that as we 